Hey guys, and welcome to this Portland edition of the Low Key Podcast. Now, if you don't have your low key swag, go to www.lowkeypodcast.com and get a t shirt. Now, without further ado, Ecliptic Brewing. It's nice, it's easy, it's low key. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to the Low Key Podcast. I'm here with John Harris from Ecliptic Brewing. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Saturday morning, kind of quiet here at the brewery. It's kind of nice. Yeah, Portland's looking beautiful. I mean, I always love coming here. Yeah, Portland's a great city. It's my hometown. I was from Portland. Um, many moons ago, I was, I was born here. Yeah. Northwest Portland, and uh, pretty much lived here my whole life. I've been a few years in Bend. Okay. Um, so That's cool. Yeah, kind of describe the beer I'm drinking currently. <laughs> All right, you got a, um, one of our newer beers came out just over a little, year, little over a year ago. It's called a Karina Peach Sour Ale. Okay. So we're kind of taking the um, what I call I like to call it hot side souring. Some people call it kettle souring, but I think it's kind of a demeaning term because I think what really has happened is that uh, brewers in America have been creative with styles, to, especially sour styles, to the point where we've found a way to sour the beer and not have the have the possibility of contaminating all of our other beers mm-hmm. uh, in the cellar. So basically, we'll uh, we take a, the wort for the beer. And we uh, mash it, and then we take the word off, boil it real quick to, to kill any bacteria in it. Then we introduce lactic acid bacteria in our wow. souring tank. And the souring tank will, for about 36 hours, will drop the pH from around 4 down to you know, under 3.5. And then we'll uh, wow. take it back to the kettle, boil it, hop it, fruit it, ferment it. So, um, so basically it's just a nice American-style sour with a nice peach aroma, peach flavor. Uh, yeah. tar- nice tartness to it, but very drinkable. Yeah, no, it is it is very drinkable. It doesn't have like a kick to it or anything. It's smooth for a sour beer, and I I love how smooth it is. Awesome. So yeah, so kind of describe your journey and tell us a little bit about how you got into craft beer and started up Ecliptic Brewing. Right on. So um yeah, I got lucky back in my early twenties where I was watching this micro beer scene uh, start here in the Northwest and drinking the local beers um, from like the original ones like Bridgeport or Widmer or out of Pyramid out of Seattle, out of Washington, or Red Hook, uh, Grants. Those were like all the original breweries that you know, I was in my early 20s and had been drinking some imports and found imports after drinking you know, mass quantities yeah. of a domestic lager in yeah. college <laughs> and stuff. And um, just to quote the uh, Coneheads there. But anyhow, so <laughs> mass quantities. But anyhow, um, the, uh, so I kind of was watching the beer scene happen and just like was enamored with just all these new flavors and styles. And I was like, wow. And Michael Jackson's book came out on the World Guide to Beer and reading that book and like wow there's all these Belgian beers I've never seen these Belgian beers before yeah. and then they started coming to the states and just kind of fell in love with you know good beer you know from the first time I had a real like a real German uh, imported lager it was yeah. like wow this is the flavor but anyhow so and I had dabbled in homebrewing a little bit but that was before the great uh, you know, complete joy homebrewing revolution that, that book that kind of revolutionized uh, homebrewing um, but there was a homebrew store in town that's been around since before Prohibition called F.H. Steinbart's, and so there's a place to buy homebrewing ingredients and stuff, but, um... Okay. So I, I dabbled in homebrewing enough to be dangerous, I like to say, and, um, <laughs> and I had a couple of housemates, and one of them came home one day, and she said, hey, here, here's your job, man, you know, it's like, you're just working at this answering service out of college and just doing nothing, you're just basically yeah. living, you know, so yeah. now what? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, said, brewer needed Hillsdale Brew Pub, and... I went, oh, man, you're not going to hire me. I've never made brew before. And then she's like, well, how many brewers are there in Portland? I'm like, well, I don't know. But she goes, go, go get your job. I'm like, okay. So I went down and 
interviewed for the job, and lo and behold, got hired to be a brewer at the Hillsdale, wow. Hillsdale Brew Pub back in 1986, so I was 22, and uh, basically, um, you know, it, just like you mentioned, like how you used to bake your pies and stuff. There's certain, certain things you can do in life, you know, like you find that you're good at. And yeah. I found that I was good at making beer as far as just taking the other raw materials and figuring out and putting them together to have something come out that, t- that tastes good, you know what I mean? So um, yeah. I kind of found my affinity to making beer um, in 1986 with the McMinniman Brothers, um, Hillsdale Brew Pub, and worked for them for a couple years. And then uh, in 88, I went down to Startup Brewery. Similar thing happened. I was. Um, stopped working for the McMinimans and I was trying to get a brewery going with another guy but that kind of fell apart and once another ad pops up this one's in the Oregonian says Bernie did Hills, uh, Deschutes Brew Pub Bend Oregon and I'm like well I have to move to Bend but this looks like it might be my job and so I applied for that job and yeah. and he, the, the owner Gary Fish was looking for a person with some experience he he had applicants who had like gone to Davis Brewing School but had never actually made a batch of beer and had mm. to suffer through that batch of beer through the brew house and fermentation and have it come out good at the other end and Make a long story short, I got hired to be the first brewer at the shoots back in '88, and uh, worked, wow. for, worked for them for about four years uh, before I went off to get back to Portland and uh, went to work for Full Sail, running their small brewery here in Portland for about 20 years, and then got a whim. So I guess finally said, "I'm not finally ready to do this. I got a lot of beers in my head that aren't going to be made at Full Sail because nothing against Full Sail at all, but just that wasn't their mo. Brewing with fruit, for instance, back when I was there, yeah, that was not something that was not that wasn't allowed, but it wasn't even considered." Yeah, and I remember, I remember working at McMinimans years before brewing with fruit. McMinimans was the first brewery in America to brew with fruit post prohibition that we know of because we got a letter from the government at one point when I was there it said cease and desist, fruit is not allowed in beer. And we're yeah. like, what do you mean fruit is not allowed in beer? The Belgians put fruit in beer and blah blah blah. And lo and behold, you know, McMinimans writes the letter and fruit is now legal in beer. But anyhow, I digress. So, <laughs> so I decided, uh, you know, nineteen about two thousand twelve to basically I just quit my job and uh, decided to go and. I had, I had uh, found a couple of people who said they would back me with some money, mm-hmm. but I realized that I was never going to get this done if I continued to work and tried to work on it at night, you know what I mean? I really felt it was not fair to my, to my you know, at that point, my employ- fellow employee owners at full sale not to be 100% vested in my job, so I decided that the only way to get this going would be to quit my job and just cross my fingers and deplete my savings account. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a year and a half later, it took, <clears throat> took about a year to secure this building which is you've seen is just an awesome building oh yeah it's an amazing space and um so then it took about then the usual six months to build out with permits and stuff so um so in october 20th of 13 we opened and so we have our fifth anniversary party uh in october so you should come back because we're gonna, oh, throw, yeah. we're gonna yeah. bash it out big <laughs> <laughs> definitely three, four, five is gonna be a big one so, <laughs> yeah. so. Wait, when, when is your fifth anniversary October twentieth. October. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's a ways I can plan that out. <laughs> I don't mind want. planning another trip to Portland. <laughs> no, I just, love the city. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you know, five years is a big deal. So. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll get there. Just it's, it's, been a t- it's been a wild ride so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you said you you've been in craft beer for quite quite a bit. Um, how have you seen it change through the years for you? I mean, it's interesting how it's how much it's the same as it really was in the beginning with a bunch of people who are just driven to make this product we call beer and yeah. um just they get into it so much where they're just coming up with in, innovation and ideas um there's more of us now of course i mean at one point you could probably get a room of 15 people and say here's all the brewers in oregon in yeah. one room but those days are over now now if you say you're a brewer in portland oregon back when i started well, you're a brewer wow and i was like i am a brewer like, oh, i know 12 brewers <laughs> you know it's like it's so pache you know it's like but um but i think that uh the consumers it's interesting how in the beginning 
people were afraid of our beer. They were afraid of it. It was like, it was scary to them. And mm-hmm. it was really odd if you think about it. Like, they were just afraid of flavor. And um, you'd be doing a tasting and a beer event. Even though it was like a, the International Beer Festival, it had imports and microbrews. And there's like, this is like 19, I don't know, 88, 89. And, you know, people are like, walk up, give me your lightest beer. Just give me your lightest beer. It's like, you don't have to be afraid of the dark beer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if you like sweeter things in life, you're going to like that porter more you're going to like that, that you know, American Headlights or whatever. So um, I think that just people are more adventurous now with uh, what they'll try. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you just think about the whole, like, the whole coffee, you talked about coffee a little bit, the whole coffee movement that, you know, of course, you know, Starbucks and Pete's and the larger corporations kind of started that concept. And I have great, you know, local roasters here in Portland, like, you know, like a name of dozens of local roasteries, you know. But just, yeah. But just they're really good honoring the being like we honor the vault, you know, and so I think that the whole movement, especially in Oregon, such a state that loves to support its, uh, all its products more than anything. I mean, per capita, we're over 20%, you know, craft beer share in Oregon, real craft beer share. Yeah. And, um, compared to like other cities where it's half that. So Oregon's just a great supporter of local, local producers really. And I think that, that, you know, that in the pub culture that started with, a. I mentioned the McMinimans, which not only had to open their breweries, but they have, you know, countless pubs where they would pour, all the craft beers would get poured in the early days and supported, and classic old bars like the Horse Brass Pub in Portland has been supporting craft beer from day one. It's yeah. It's been around for almost you know, over 40 years now, so, um, anyhow, it's just, uh, you know, I think that how, as it's changed, it's also stayed the same, except for there's so many more players, and, and of course, the, um, the access to raw materials is much greater, there's different acceptability of using different things in beers, more acceptable to people. The whole barrel aging idea. I remember having my first Bourbon County Stout at GABF, and yeah, all the brewers were just, were just our minds were absolutely shattered because we were like, one guy, Greg Hall, found about putting stout, heavy stout in the bourbon barrel. No one had done it yet, and Dang. and it just kind of revolutionized. Okay, now we start aging. We're aging stouts or porters, and now barley wines are going in barrels. Oh, the whole yeah. barrel aging thing. And so it just that's that wasn't around in the beginning because no one even thought about it. IPAs weren't around till. The late '80s, there wasn't you know, other than Liberty Ale, which they don't call an IPA, but it's awful lot like an IPA. <laughs> yeah, from Anchor, from Anchor Brewing, but or, or Sierra Nevada's Celebration Ale, which is a real hoppy, basically red. But um, you know, hops, just the hop boundaries are being pushed so much in the last, even the last five, six years. I mean, things are just just it's acceptable to be as weird as possible. Nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing about ecliptic here is that it, you know, ecliptic, ecliptic, eclectic, ecliptic. You know, in the yeah. sense, I mean. That was the whole idea if you read our mantra. It's like, we're not about any certain style. We want to make all lots of styles and um, just just push the boundaries of what we can make, what people might want to try. Like, you know, we have a fruit fest frenzy on July 4th and we have like 12 fruit beers on tap. And it's just, oh, that's we amazing. save them throughout the year to make them. And, and make a long story short, just uh, here at Clifty, we're just trying to make as much uh, fun beer as possible. You know, go with the trends, make beers that people really want. You can sit in your, you can sit and say, I'm going to be a German brewer. I'm going to make only Hayflights and only make pills. And it's like, well, great, you can do that. But, and that's your mantra. Everybody should have their mantra. But over here, we have no mantra. But let's just make a good beer. And whatever style we choose to make, let's just make it the best we can. Yeah. How, how would you say, being in Portland, um, how would you say the, the beer scene is? Is it competitive? Or um, are you guys connected in any way? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, like, there's two sides to the, to the beer community. There's yeah. the, <laughs> there's the, uh, the, the brewer side, which is very connected. And, um, you know... Every week, you know, constantly in text messages with other brewers, either asking questions or answering questions for people. I mean, the brewery community is very solid. Uh, the salespeople tend to be a little more competitive because at the end of the day, it's their, their jobs to get out there and sell the beer. Mm-hmm. And so there's a bit, a bit more competition in the sales side. But um, but at the end of the day, I think it's uh, we're all supporting each other in the craft beer and 
no one's really out to get anybody. It's just more like, you know, they're out to have their, their business succeed and they get their paychecks and, you know, and uh, the owners get their paychecks and, you know, just try to work together. But the, the community of beers in Oregon is really solid. Um, yeah. We have a pretty solid, uh, on the, just the brew side, the Master Brewers Association, which is a big national, international group, um, with a really strong local chapter. With, you know, back in the old days, when I first joined, I was one of two craft brewers who would show up, and they wanted to kick us out because we weren't wearing suits. <laughs> but now it's overrun by, you know, hippie brewers, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like, wearing t-shirts and shorts, and, and uh, you know, they'll have 300 people show up at a meeting now, so it's, it's the brew community is really strong in Portland and Oregon, and northwest really i mean that makes sense so. that's really cool what what would you say in starting up ecliptic was your biggest struggle uh the first struggle was to find a building um i thought for some reason i thought all this just was like dominoes click 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 just fall right over yeah and uh, the click click would be like you negotiate on a building and suddenly out of the blue the guy says well, i want a seventy five thousand dollars security deposit and you're like holy <laughs> Jeez, crap yeah. dude, that's, that's like almost you know, ten percent of my budget <laughs> to open. You know, yeah. uh, I, I just I just need to have that. It's like, well, when do I get it back? Well, you never get it back. You know what I mean? Because if, yeah. if you stay at the building, your security deposit rolls forward. So yeah. Um, but anyhow, so I had a couple of buildings that fell through. Um, learned a lot about commercial real estate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and how that really works. <laughs> you have a lot of money going to commercial real estate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not joking. I wish I was joking. I don't have any money to do that. But <laughs> you have a lot of money in commercial real estate. Uh, so finding a building was tough, but once we found the building, I mean, um, you know, just uh, we were a startup brewery, but I was an experienced brewer with a with a known name, with a known beers behind me that I made before, and um, so opening, you know, we had some, you know, got some attention right off the bat, but still a really honor, you know, our, you know, our food got better, our, our, the beers got better. I mean, just things like that, just things you, you know, in startup, you're not, you know, you didn't hit, you're not hit all home runs, you know, out of the park. So yeah. um, I think just, and I, I kind of played around with. Um, Using different naming, I had this beer called Hefe Pills, which I thought was the most clever thing on the planet. And mm. of course, you're right now you're probably thinking it's a wheat beer, but it's not a wheat beer because you know Hefe means yeast. So yeah. I mean, what it means is Wickle Pills or unfiltered Pilsner. I thought it was brilliant. It was not brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you, I have a trademark, so you can't steal it. Anyhow, so, <laughs> but, um, you know, even brewers are like this is a wheat Pilsner. It's like no, yeah. it's a Hefe. It's yeast. It, yeah. you know, even the brewer friends didn't get it. And, yeah, and, it's, and it, so people thought Hefe, and then. Like doubt right down the hills, Widmer Brothers Brewery and one of the original ones, and you know they're they're six packs. I was in the grocery store doing a tasting, and and I had the Pilsner, and there's, I just saw their six pack said Hefe on it, H E F E, nothing yeah. about Weizen at all. It was just like <laughs> I give up. <laughs> I'm never gonna win this fight, so we renamed it just Pilsner, and oh lo and behold, it sells better. Yeah. <laughs> this one was. So I you know played around with some naming that was kind of a mistake. Um, finding you know, we were lucky to find good brewers as we needed them. Um, um, food's gotten, you know, every original chef, Michael Waldor, is still here, but, you know, he's got his kitchen really humming now, and, you know, t you know some of the original recipes are still here, but just in the sense that, you know, it's not anything, don't hit it out of the park immediately, you know, just like, restaurants open, to, and then get like, you know, we didn't get bad reviews or anything like that, but just, you know, we were, we had, I had, I had a goal of, you know, a really food-focused brew pub, because I really felt that that was lacking in Portland, it was mm -hmm. that, that food was more like the afterthought for lots of places, and yeah. lots of our newer breweries, their own business model, or opting to have, you know, food trucks come in and say, have their own restaurant and I kind of wanted to deliver the full experience because I think that I had been in enough brewery, you know, brew pubs enough to hear the words like, okay, you can have one beer and then we're going to go get, a, I'm going to get a cocktail and I'm going to go get some food at this other place that's better and it's like, yeah. well, if you're, if yeah, male or female wants to have a cocktail, why not have a cocktail for them, you know what I mean? So we have yeah. a full bar here and full food you know, restaurant experience and 
trying to really focus on seasonal ingredients and quality, 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 and running higher food costs on mm-hmm. purpose because we want that food to be. We're not going to have pizza and you know pasta and burgers and fries and wings. You know, it's like we don't we don't try to do too much. You know, I mean, yeah, kind of go across the world world of flavor, but stick to it. So, um, but yeah, just kind of. I mean, hard things, but just you know, I mean, yeah, just I mean, um, just finding our groove, I guess, really. Yeah, kind of you know you know grow along with. The demand for our beer like is pretty strong right now, so we're just kind of trying to ride that. We can't get enough beer out, so we're trying to get that out, and the re- restaurant continues to get busier, which is crazy because, you know, just how can you get busier when you're busy? <laughs> you know? yeah. That's not terrible. Please come in. Don't yeah. <laughs> if you're in Portland, Oregon, please. No. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, just you know, and then that's the whole. I mean, one thing I told a lot of brewers, you know, because I, I did a talk, I guess it'd be two years ago in Philadelphia at the Craft Brewers Conference on huh. another brewer named Todd Mott who opened a brewery up in um in the main and he's an old brewer like me just he's like a few years older than me but just you know we kind of grew up brewing in the late 80s and early 90s and you know he started his place so he, they brought us both in and we're both like you know don't forget you're opening a business you know that's that's the biggest thing i learned it's mm-hmm. like your business may be brewing beer and serving food but at the end of the day you know you have a business to run you gotta watch your cash you gotta make smart decisions make good purchases you know just things like that that can you know if you don't have any money to pay your bills or pay your staff then you know, where are you? <laughs> You're not anywhere yeah. good, you know, so, um, but, uh, yeah, so just, you know, I just really learned more about the business side, and I had been a member of the management team at Full Sail during my time there, and, you know, learned a lot about how, how breweries run, and, and, uh, did a lot of, did a lot of brewery, like, I was like the brewmaster emissary in a sense when I was at Full Sail, so I did a lot of, go out and train a lot of people, so train our distributors about beer, how we make beer, our wow. styles, and so I got to see all the pots out there, the, the sales pot, the distributor pot, the you know, all those little things that a lot of brewers are just have been in the brew house when they open up and then, why is my beer selling? Well, yeah, you gotta, how, do you, how do you get your beer to market? Well, how yeah. do you motivate your distributor to sell your beer more and things like that? It's just some things I knew going into it and how much harder it was. That I know how hard it could be. And yeah. We definitely, you know, virtually once I got in, after the first full year of operation, I decided to hire a salesperson and that kind of totally changed our game because mm. now our distributor was like, oh, they have a salesperson. They're taking this way more seriously. Now we'll take them more seriously. So it's those things you learn through business about, you know, just what you need to do to get your name out there and, and you got to invest in, you know, especially these days if you're a brewery and you don't have a salesperson or someone on the street talking to your mantra every day, then you're, you're, you're going to, you're not going to grow as like you really hope you would grow. So you got to mm. definitely invest in people, which of course is an expense, but yeah, but we, I think we have a great crew here in our sales, team, well, a whole team between, you know, everybody, servers, the kitchen crew, brewers, staff, salespeople, I mean, yeah, managers just, we got a pretty, pretty fun crew here. Yeah. That's cool. What would you say makes you passionate or motivates you to be in the craft beer industry? Um, I think early on, like I said, um, I just found an affinity with making a consumable product and mm-hmm. um, just uh, just the process of making beer, just taking the, the raw materials and crafting them into this this, this certain flavor and color and look. This, that, that still yeah. motivates me day to day. I still... Uh, Really enjoy that part of brewing, just the whole creative side of making new recipes and coming up with new ideas and allowing my staff to help with that process, especially because once they, you know, get, let them have some input, let them create some beers too, because there's nothing more special than go walking out, seeing someone drink your beer. I mean, I was at, you know, I was at a concert recently and just kind of looked around and realized that at one point or another, probably one of my beers had gotten everybody in that room on the wrong side of sober. <laughs> you know what I mean? And at one point, everybody in this room had, had probably drank a beer that I had made and 
I didn't really think about that ever once before, but could have popped in my head as, as I was at this show because it was all these ages from like, you know, twenty-one year olds to seventy year olds at this concert. Cause it's this old genre mix of people, and it's just awesome. And it's just like just a thought I had, and that motivates me just to, I mean, all the weddings, maybe our beer, the beers been out, the funerals, the births, the deaths, you know, all these you know, celebrations of life, and you know, just where you know, alcohol is shared, whether it be wine, beer, you know, cider. That that kind of motivates me just to help. You know, be a part of people's lives in, a, in an indirect way, I guess. Yeah. Kind of got wacky there, but. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Well, early, like, back when I first started brewing, like, I, I had a psychic reading, and, and this, the psychic said, What do you what do? You do? And I go, I make beer. And she, and she said, You heal people with your beer. And I was okay. like, Wow, okay, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, healing people daily. I didn't say yeah. that. <laughs> when you give people beer, you're like, I yeah. healed you. But, but, <laughs> you're now healed. <laughs> I shouldn't be, going down, shouldn't be going down this road right now. <laughs> but, um, no, it just, uh, that was just, you know, kind of just tight. Like, this brought me back to, like, okay, I think I found my path. I mean, it, like, you know, you, you, everybody's life, you think you're going to do this, what do, you, what do you end up doing? I thought I'd be doing theater, you know what I mean? I thought I'd be doing lighting design yeah. on stage, you know, which was what I really loved when I was younger, studied in college and stuff. But I also realized that wasn't that wasn't really going to pan out just because I saw the politics of that. and hmm. It's like, wow, wow. I've been here for you know, three years, and I, they've been here for a month, and they got the summer job, and I didn't. And they're no better of a tech than I am. Wow. Yeah. What, you know, what's going on there? So I, I realized that wasn't for me anymore, so... I found beer, and here I am. That's it's awesome. Big, you know, it became a career. <laughs> the yeah. C word that no one wanted when they're 20. <laughs> I don't believe in careers. <laughs> it's the anti-career career. <laughs> no, it's really cool, though, how this industry really is just, you know, it just supports so many people. Yeah. Um, just from the brewers to the, you know, the pubsters or whatever you want to call them to, you know, just, just the whole, you know, the distributors that sell our beer to have more staff because they have great craft beer selling. So it's really, the, you know, the spider web of beer is, is awesome. Yeah, that's cool. What what would you say is your first craft beer that you that you tried that made you um, get into craft beer, or you were like, oh wow, like craft beer is a different part of my life. Um, well, the first beer was uh, called Dab D A B Dortmunder Action Brewery out of uh, probably not pronouncing that right out of uh, Germany. This, okay. was this guy John Rockwood was a. Uh, Older than me and said, "You gotta try something better, kid." <laughs> Feeds me one of these in his house one night. Just like, "Wow, man, this is light. This, man, this actually has good flavor to it." You know? yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so that was kind of revolutionary. But then, like, you know, trying the early uh, beers of like, um, you know, Grant's Scottish Ale and Grant's Russian Imperial Stout. Mm-hmm. The Russian Imperial Stout definitely stands out because it was like a. At that point, no one had seen this kind of style of beer. It was big, black, just seven percent alcohol or eight, maybe just, just thick as motor oil and. The flavors were just awesome, and you're like, "Wow, this is beer!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, this is beer, really? Are you sure? <laughs> you <know? laughs> then you feel like, "Oh, well, yeah, it's beer." You know? <laughs> but uh, so a lot of the early, you know, crafters like Widmer Alter, you know, like I said, Grant Spears, Pyramid Pale Ale, Red Hook. Red Hook was the interesting one because it had their yeast strain was just kind of wacky, and it mm. created a real fruity, almost blueberry character to the beer, and uh, very unique early beer in the history of the craft beer movement. But um, just those beers were just the flavors were so different. You know, Bridgeport Ale, you know, it, was, it was like wow, they're all just uniquely different and um, a lot more hop forward. Not as hop forward as today, but you know, yeah. <laughs> but definitely um, more flavor. I mean, just like your mouth would just fill up and you'd be like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this is beer. Wow. And then you find you only could drink half as much too, so that's good. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. 
So those those were the early ones. I mean, you know, Sierra, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, of course, Anchor mm. Steam Beer. Those were some of the early, you know, not imports, but ones we could get in Oregon. They were from like you know the really early microbreweries from California. My well, Anchor's been around for hundreds of years, but you know, but just a uh, more traditional beer like that. So it's uh, you know, and what's really cool is that all these breweries as they've gotten bigger and become the what we call the legacy brands now, but they're still making the some of the best beer on the planet. Just yeah, you know, they're just a bigger producer now, but they're. Their quality, as they've grown, they, their quality's gotten better. Mm-hmm. So I'd say Sierra Nevada Pale Ale today probably tastes 100% better than it did when it first came out. You know, not yeah. that, that didn't taste good, but just I think their quality control points and the consistency. Because I think about brewing that, unlike winemaking, is that people when they go pop up and, you know, when I have an ecliptic, say a Starburst IPA, it's like they've had it before in their head. They know there's a sensory memory here that I want to have when I open this beer. And if you don't deliver that sensory memory, you get a phone call or a letter, email, like, yeah. hey man, what happened to your, what happened to my Starburst, man? Yeah. <laughs> what happened to this or that? And whereas winemakers could say, you know, 2017 was a really bad year, so don't expect great great guns from the 2017 vintage of of this particular wine. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can it can kind of blame the weather where brewers can't blame the weather. <laughs> yeah. We could have like drought conditions and protein levels and the barley go through the roof, which make if you're a filtering brewery a nightmare to filter the beer and things mm. like that. That um. We don't filter our beers, so don't worry yeah. about that. But, but uh, just you know, just like there's so many things that we can't pass off to to the weather experience where other producers can, varietal producers can. Not that yeah. it's winemakers, but they, but they can. They say it was a bad year. Yeah, we're not gonna. It's not gonna be as good a vintage as the last year. So we got the yeah, brewers are held to a tighter QC standard. I think. Okay. Yeah. Not in a negative way. It's just true, though. I mean, yeah. you know what you mean. You have a favorite beer. You go to get your favorite beer, and you have a memory that you're like, there it is. That's yeah, that there's that taste. Yeah. That's what that's the hard thing about brewing, but of course in craft breweries, I mean, we're we're not hundred we don't hit hundred percent all the time because yeah. we're craft brewing and we don't I don't think we necessarily want to hit 100, 98, 95 to ninety eight I like to hit but I'm not saying we don't go for consistency but you know but every batch is handmade and every batch is fresh with the yeast is a generation older or a generation newer or, you know, yeah in this business there's going to be some fluctuations but you don't not enough where you're going you not enough where you're you're going that doesn't taste like that did last week but you know yeah but just. You're just going for a certain consistency. And yeah. That's what brewers strive for. Is their, that's their job. Yeah, you just want to get one consistent flavor, if you can, or like a couple, and then uh, not for it not to be noticed, I guess, as much. Yeah, so. yeah like, like dry hopping, like like the IPA's dry hopping. Sometimes, you know, you put your hops and you follow your process, and, I mean, every once in a while you get one batch that just doesn't have the aroma as much as it normally should, and then you have that one batch that's like, Woohoo, baby! We, what did we do this time? And we did the exact same thing, but that time maybe just that yeah little bit got roused a bit more, or that little maybe got one more day on the hops, and you know just those things that can nuance a beer. And um, but that's of course why you you know you have like well this batch this this is number great A batch. I mean yeah, you know, but that's you know but that's the way it's going to be being an artisan. You know what I mean yeah like a coffee roaster. You know if you don't turn that flame off in time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And they're all burnt. Well, they all burn anyway to start with. But it's a control burn, you know. Or you know, like I mean, we had like you know, we've had producers you know like change something and not tell us, and like we're wow, and we're, and we're like we're like beating our heads against the wall, like what 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 has changed? What what, what is everybody doing? The, how are you doing it? You yeah. Know, how are you doing it? How, everybody's saying the same answer, and then like then you come find oh we we had a varietal change. You know, well, mm-hmm. did, did you notice? Did you bother telling anybody? Yeah. So we're like we're beating our heads against the wall trying to like figure all this out, you know, like, what the hell happened, you know, and, you know, but anyway, it's just, it's just nature, or you try, or like, you know, there's different, you know, especially malts, we call them, like, caramel malts and things that, say they're a 75 color, but that 75 color may have the flavor versus that 75 color from a different producer, so, mm. once you lock in on, on a lot of your raw materials, you gotta be real careful going between 
different vendors, I guess you'd say. You yeah. might get different flavors. And, but these days, the, the whole market is more driven towards the, the lighter colors, the lighter, you know, lighter, lighter, lighter. You don't see as much use of the specialty malts as you did at one point in the history. This, you know, orange IPAs really are not as popular now as yellow IPAs are, you know, things like that. Yeah. The paler, the better. It's where the market's kind of headed right now. Um, thinner body, but great flavor, great hot huh. flavor. So just, you know, just, it's, still, it's still trends of time. Yeah. And they'll swing back the other way because eventually someone will go, wow, I just tried this one again and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always been great. You just stop drinking it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, just also, I mean, you know, I don't know, just industry's interesting. Just, you know, just, you know, breweries are really smaller, you know, cult-driven breweries are around, down, you know, around these days. And, you know, we ship beer to Colorado and North Carolina and we have a lot of it. So I know that when it gets out there, it sells really fast for our distributors. So Yeah. We just like to get our, like, little seed market, we call it, to kind of get our beer out to... You know, there's some more people, some like, you know, oh yeah, you can't get beer on the East Coast. You can get it in North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get it in South Carolina or Georgia or Virginia. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but North Carolina is kind of a hot brewing scene down there. And Colorado, of course, has a great, great brewing scene these days with yeah. countless breweries there too. So Yeah. Isn't, isn't Asheville in North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a pretty big, like, it's been popping up with like a lot of breweries out there. Yeah, a lot of the big guys yeah. have gone in and put, you know, New, New Belgium has a brewery there and uh, I think Sierra Nevada, Sierra Nevada has a Yeah. And, uh, just right outside Asheville, but um, yeah, I know the, I know the original you know Asheville Brewing Company. I remember being there like in the nineteen ninety five or six or something. I remember wow. going through there when they first opened. I just happened to be going to a family reunion, um, which was being held in North Carolina, and uh, no, it was a graduation. My my wife's brother's graduation, and we just took some time and flew in to saw my sister who was living in where was she living in Lexington, and then kind of worked our way down to. Durham, basically, but stop. We knew Asheville was supposed to be a cool city, so we stopped there for a couple of days. And That's awesome. And it's, it is a cool city. But I haven't yeah, been back there cool. in twenty years, so yeah, it's cool to go back there. Yeah, I recently went there like a like a year ago or something like that, and it was, it was amazing. I didn't know it was as cool as it as it was, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like Austin, you know. Like you, you find yourself in this really cool city, you're like where. Dallas wasn't this cool. Austin's cool. You know, <laughs> yeah. Durham's okay. Yeah. Asheville's cooler. You know? yeah. <laughs> Up in the mountains, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. What was speaking of like brewing and batching brews and stuff like that? What is your favorite like personal favorite brew style or or brew that you like to make? Oh, I mean, back to my point earlier about how we not want to pigeonhole us in any styles, but um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm an IPA guy. To be honest with you, I mean, I just I love the just the assertiveness of the, the bitterness and the, the aromatics of the flavor of the hops. I just um, fell in love with that early on, mm-hmm. um, and now with some of the newer hop varieties like Mosaic and. Simcoe and some newer ones there that throw it. We, had, we used to have all the hops that threw the C characters, so the citrus, you know, things like that, orange peel, mm. lemon. Now we have the hops that are throwing the more tropical flavors and are they called the dank hops, you know? So um, I think this that the hop breeders have really um, catered to the craft beer industry in the sense of like trying to find unique, you know, crosses that make these unique hops that you have beer these different flavors. And so you have two IPAs. One's our Orbiter IPA, which is classic Columbus Centennial Cascade hops uh, more of an orange color and then we have our Starburst which is our new flagship IPA which is more you know golden colored light but it has the Simcoe and the Mosaic and the Amarillo and hops are you know the newer hops are kind of more you know t- tropical and more um, 
more aromatic. So it's just interesting how you can just craft these two different flavors and yeah, that's amazing. Cater to two different types of IPA drinkers. And like I mentioned, we're out of IPA for the weekend now. Here, <laughs> yeah. we have no IPA. <laughs> Brewers out there, I know it's too late, but bring me some IPA. Like <laughs> <laughs> my call store breaker. It's like, can we buy a keg IPA? Because we don't have any. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, people have a, there'll be a revolt in the bar today. Like you have no IPA. <laughs> no, we have no IPA. <laughs> Try something new today. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So kind of describe some of the seasonal beers that you guys have and um, some of the some of the main kind of beers that you have. Gotcha. Um, so our mainline beers are, like I mentioned, Starburst IPA, more of a new style IPA, Orbiter IPA, which is more an old school IPA. Uh, we have a porter called Capella Porter. And I'll plug that won the World Beer Cup two years ago. So best porter in the world, Whoa. 2016. That was pretty, That's that was pretty a great cool. moment. Like that, yeah. that was the biggest award our, the you know, breweries got since I started. And I was... We're not entering it again. We will never win that again because we've already won it. Yeah. <laughs> we only get four beers. It's like, we don't need to try to repeat. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just a kind of a classic brown style porter. Um, nice cocoa flavors. Really really smooth. Lots of caramel notes. Um, then we have a, what else? a Karina Peach Sour. We talked about that a little earlier. We have a, a Pilsner called Spectra, which used to be the Hefe Pils, but that name's changed. It was a different name too. But um, we make that basically for the bar right now. Uh, we were breaking it for out of house, but we just couldn't keep up with it. And do it right. So we're um, it's kind of a pub only beer. Phobos Red Ale is a pub only beer to cater to the, the Maltier side. Um, okay. And seasonally this year we got a whole bunch. We got four canned seasonals, bottled seasonals that are well canned seasonals draft. Uh, started with our Phaser Hazy IPA, which kind of caters to that New England style, Love which that. is really popular right now. Um, we're gonna stop making that in a couple weeks, and we're gonna probably have a little riot. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> then after that we got a new beer called uh, Espacio. It's a Mexican style lager. Oh. So that's gonna be around for early spring, and then. And I got like the label right here for Quasar Pale Ale, which is a Mosaic Simcoe, really light pale ale. Um, we did that last year; it did really well, so we're bringing that back for the summer. And then uh, we go on to our winter beer called Filament, which is a winter we call it winter IPA, but it's kind of a cross between the two styles of IPA I referred to earlier. But it has more of a uh, we use some Mandarina Bavaria hops from Germany, which give it that real kind of mandarin orange kind of character. And, oh wow! And real creamy, kind of a little creamy, more of a creamy IPA. Those are our four main states seasonals, and then. Um, we got a bunch of specialty beers. We got a uh, orange giant barley wine comes out at the end of the year. Then our Ort Imperial Stout was, came mm-hmm. out last month. Um, we just brought our Hypernova Triple IPA out, which is a twelve percent Triple IPA for the wow. kind of this time of year. Plenty the younger comes out from Russian River, and yeah. a lot of breweries will make you know triples this time of year for for different Triple IPA fests and stuff. And then um, getting ready to brew next week with a newer brewery about the same age as us out of Seattle called Rubens Brews. Okay, and we're doing a. Um, you know, another twist on we're kind of mashing this one up big with a, it's a pomegranate guava hazy double IPA, mm. so, so it's like all over the map. <laughs> Want fruit? Got fruit. Got fruit. Got fruit. You know, hazy, yeah. hazy, you know. So we're brewing that with those guys. Uh, actually, a couple weeks, so we're looking forward to that. And then we got a, the next beer. We got a beer called Moon Base, which is a uh, could be a blood orange saison. So um, that's coming out in uh, April, and then we have uh, our ultraviolet blackberry sour. We do that again. And, I got a fifth anniversary beer, which I haven't figured out what that is yet, but yeah. I gotta figure that out pretty soon. <laughs> last year we did a mango IPA, so um, I'm not sure what it'll be. I gotta, but I do need to figure that by by. I got till April first, I think. <laughs> nice. So, and then we, you know, then we have just different, you know, in-house specialty beers we're always doing and playing around with. Like we have a Meritzen we're making right now, uh, which is gonna be. I think we're gonna split it in half, and half's gonna be. We're just this big coffee beer donut festival. It's gonna be. Mm-hmm. But this guy is gonna use our parking lot this year. So it's called Coffee on Mars. Oh. Marsin, you know. 
And so, but I think we're gonna. It's tasting so good as a regular Marksen. We're thinking we're gonna split it in half and coffee half of it and leave the other half on coffee. Nice. Just because we can get two beers out of that that way. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Then you can come in and try both. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're just kind of you know, and then I like to try to let the brewers come up with beers throughout the year and uh, keep like they used to. You saw that uh, the blackberry blood orange saison uh, yeah. salary out there. You know, so that was a couple of brewers came up with that one. And That's cool. Just try to you know. Brewers like making beers, and if you give them the, you know, like, I want to make sure everybody who works here gets a chance to come up with something, because it's really cool when you walk out there and see people drinking your beers. Like, yeah. And you say, I made that beer. Like, that's my recipe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's always yeah, a good That's feeling. an awesome feeling, yeah. What, what do you think for you is the biggest misconception about being a brewer, or owning a brewery? Uh, I, I don't think people, as far as a brewer goes, I don't think people realize how hard, how hard a work making beer really is. I mean, yeah. it's... it's I always like to say it had white collar prestige, but but it's blue collar work. You know? Yeah, because <laughs> you know, cause, I mean, you know, pulling mashes out and hot summers and cold winters, and it's just it's just a physically demanding job that um yeah is uh isn't as glamorous as it looks um, on paper sometimes. Um, being a business owner, I mean, that's a whole I mean that's a whole other, that's a weird conversation because that's like something I am now, but I have a lot more understanding of my people I've worked for and why they did some things they did and why they didn't do some things they did. Yeah, you know, because I've been trying to grow Ecliptic and you know grow the benefits of for working here and the you know the perks for working here and things like that. But there's a certain things you can't you can't do right away. You can't somebody who has a you know hundred million dollar company can do way more than we can. You know, <laughs> you know? yeah. So that's the hard part about being an owner is like wanting to give wanting to give everybody five weeks of vacation, but but knowing you really can't afford to give people five weeks of vacation. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I can't really pay for you know fifty people to go, forty five people to go in five weeks. You know, yeah. it's like. <laughs> Let's add that up. There's someone every, almost every week, you know, one or two people are gone, you know? <laughs> no, but there's things like that that I want to, you know, things I'd like to do as a business owner and to promote the culture, the, you know, of a lot of the other breweries out there. Like, a lot of breweries have got employee ownership, like Full Sales employee owned and New Balance employee owned and the Shoots employee owned and things like that that, hmm. you know, maybe, down, I'm not saying I'm doing that, but just, but just, you know, the benefits of that kind of like, you know, there's, there's definitely advantages for owners doing those, going down those roads. Um, but just trying to, uh, you know, just that's the hardest thing is wanting to give, you know, treat people as best as possible. But sometimes you gotta, you know, not you're treating them bad, but you know, just you can't give everybody the wound yeah. <laughs> and still stay in business. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hard part. But, yeah. You know, but we're in expansion mode right now, so we're we're spending a lot of money to be able to make more money, bring more money in. But you have to spend that money to get everything installed, and then that then that, those tanks start making big money back in. It's like, oh, now our cash is back up. But that's just you know, the right the right of a business owner is. Not a lot of fun sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, how can people find you and uh, see what you guys are doing and where are you guys at? Sure, yeah. Um, so we're in Portland, Oregon here. Um, get, find us here. You can find our beer um, in the Washington state market, pretty much statewide. Um, the tip of Idaho, you can find us. You can find us in Colorado and North Carolina. Um, our goal is to get into southern Idaho at some point, hopefully next year or so. And... Uh, Pretty much re- more recently focused in Northwest um, and uh, cans and bottles for draft up there. Yeah. And there's always, something, there's always something coming out every month that's different and unique. Whether it be a collaboration brew or, you know, or especially one off or something. So That's cool. Yeah. We have, and we have a restaurant too. If you want to come eat some good food and drink some good beer, we can provide both. But no IPA this weekend. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I call my buddies and get a keg IPA yeah. or somebody. <laughs> want to sell me a keg? Yeah. <laughs> Well, all right. Thanks for being on the Low Key well, Podcast. Yeah, well, thanks for including me. It's been great to meet you. And, uh, yeah. Please come back in October. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll see you later then. All right. Cheers, man. Take care.
Thanks again, guys, for listening to the Low Key Podcast. Now, if you're ever in Portland, go try out Ecliptic Brewing. Check them out. Go drink one of their Phaser IPAs and some of their other things. They are fantastic. Also, go follow them on Instagram and Facebook. And um, if you're a subscriber to this podcast, go rate and review this podcast. And if you listen to this podcast and don't subscribe to us, subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, that's it in low-key land, guys. Keep it nice. Keep it easy. Keep it low-key.